0: What's up everybody, this is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. Today we should be able to cover the entirety of chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians as Paul talks about wisdom to his spiritually young congregation at the Church of Corinth. So remember, we talked last week about how important knowledge and philosophy and education was to this culture and uh, in today's passage, Paul is going to appeal to their understanding to not rely so much on earthly or worldly wisdom, but to rely more on spiritual wisdom. So let's read this together. Let's start out with verses 1 through 9, and then we'll talk. It says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world. Who are soon forgotten? No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, His plan that was previously hidden. Even though He made it out, even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is why the Scriptures mean uh, when they say, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him." All right. <clears throat> so, Paul starts this chapter off by talking about the first time he came to the people of Corinth. And um, we see the story in Acts chapter 18 as he met Priscilla and Aquila and worked with him making tents. And Paul did not come as a teacher uh, or a philosopher or a merchant, but rather he came to them as a witness of what the power of Christ could do in their lives. And, and you got to be careful not to be misled. Paul is not ignorant or slow or uneducated in any way. Paul was actually a brilliant man. He spoke Hebrew, Greek, and probably bits of other languages. He was highly educated. He came from a wealthy family. He was the dual citizen of the people of Israel and of Rome. He was a leader among the religious leaders before he became a follower of Christ. By no means was Paul a slouch, but Paul understood his target audience as he is trying to reach the people of Corinth and he understands what appeals to them. And we read a little bit about that in chapter one. And today we're going to get a, a lot more of this as Paul talks about the simplicity and the power of Jesus. So you have to notice that Paul forgot about everything except for Jesus. He's really focusing on Jesus with these people as not to take anything away from the message of the gospel. Jesus is the power and And the reason for all things, his crucifixion and his resurrection, is the reason for salvation and nothing else. Uh, So when Paul talks about coming in weakness, uh, being timid and trembling, um, this is somewhat confusing. Um, As I said earlier, Paul wasn't a slouch, so it wasn't like he was afraid or he he, wouldn't seem it wouldn't. You wouldn't think that he would be afraid if he is as wise and and intelligent as you think he would be. But some scholars think Paul may have been physically ill as he's presenting to the uh, church in Corinth at first. Others think that maybe he was afraid of persecution. Um, You know, you have to remember that that as he's ministering to the people of Corinth, this ministry is pretty new. And so maybe he's just nervous because Paul is preaching the gospel rather than teaching what he had been learning his whole life uh, in the Hebrew faith. And so, um, you know, there's there's really no true evidence as to why Paul was timid or trembling. And so we, we don't really have to... Um, focus on that. I just know like for me as a, as a pastor, every Sunday morning that I have to get up and speak, I am just so sick. Like I can't even eat breakfast on Sunday mornings because I get so nervous and so perhaps Paul's just nervous as he's preaching the message of the gospel. Um, it could be anything. And so either way, Paul seems to have something that caused him to look weak to the people of Corinth. We don't really know what it is, but it served well so that the power of the Holy Spirit would prevail. And not the power or wisdom of Paul. And that's super important because Paul is focusing on the power of Christ. Now, verse 6 is pretty eye-opening to this uh, purposeful tactic of Paul to keep the gospel simple. And he says with mature believers, he does use words of wisdom, but it is spiritual words of wisdom. And many of you have probably experienced this Um there are some people who have an amazing gift for, for speaking about Scripture and God and salvation and the Holy Spirit and stuff. Some people just have that gift. Um, many of those people would not have <clears throat> what we would consider a high IQ or really a vast knowledge of anything else that you could think of. I know people who are extremely intelligent in Scripture um, who, who are really smart people who don't have high IQs. And yet I know other people who have incredibly high IQs, um, people who are super intelligent and have a really hard time communicating with others and and, uh, and even have a hard time sometimes talking about the gospel and, and, and Jesus because they're so smart and they look into things too much and they have a really hard time just accepting things that they can't explain. But Paul... In this book, you know, in this chapter, Paul is talking about relying on the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God to speak to mature believers and immature believers. That The Holy Spirit is something that gives the power and ability to not only reach people in a simple way, but to also reach people in a very intelligent and spiritual way. And that's very important. So... Paul loosely quotes Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Um, and it's more like a paraphrase, which talks about the inability that we have to fathom what God has for anyone that loves him. And that's such a promising verse, um, you know, to think that if we love God, that we can't even fathom all the good things it has for us for if we love him. And God is far above and beyond anything that we can understand, Uh you know, the world doesn't think so. The world doesn't look at God as being like the source of wisdom. Um, but the truth is, is that God is the source of all wisdom. Not only worldly wisdom, but spiritual wisdom too. And there are some that have spiritual wisdom. that it, And they are so spiritually wise that sometimes it's difficult to communicate in an earthly way. Um, but here we have Paul who is extremely gifted by God to reach the spiritually immature and still minister to the very spiritually mature. So Paul has this amazing gift to be able to go back and forth between the two groups, the spiritually immature and the spiritually mature. So Paul goes on to talk in verse 10 about spiritual maturity and spiritual wisdom. And so let's read verses 10 through 16, and uh, we'll be able to finish up for today's chapter because it's a pretty short chapter. It says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. All right. So first of all, in this passage, starting with verse 10, we have to understand that everything that has been revealed to us has been revealed by the Holy Spirit. If you have been saved by Jesus Christ, it was revealed to you through the Holy Spirit to accept that as truth. If you serve God, if you've been freed from sin, if you understand scripture, if you have dreams, if God speaks to you, if you uh, prophesy, or if maybe you have a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, or whatever it may be, whatever that has been given to you from God, you have to understand that it's been revealed and given to you through the Holy Spirit. And we can only understand things of God because of the Holy Spirit. We can only accept salvation through the leading of the Spirit. We can only grow through the power of the Spirit. We can only overcome sin through the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals the deepest secrets of God, and that's so important for us to remember and comprehend. And thankfully, we have received the Holy Spirit so that we can know the wonderful things that God has already freely given us. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever thought about that before, But how can you receive a gift if you don't even know it has been given to you? And so think about this. What if someone gave you the winning lottery ticket and and hid it just for you, but didn't tell you where the ticket was or, or that it was yours to have if they didn't even tell you about it, but they wanted you to have it. It's like, it doesn't make sense to have this gift for you, but not reveal it to you so that you can even receive it. How pointless would that be? Um, <clears throat> how, how would you even claim it? But, but thankfully, God understood that there was such a huge divide and separation between himself and the world because of sin. That divide was there because of sin, not because of God. But there was such a huge divide there that he sent his Holy Spirit to all who believe in Christ in order to reveal all of the wonderful promises that he has for us. God has wonderful things for us that believe in him, and we have to cling to that. But people who don't believe in Christ are not spiritual, and they don't believe in spiritual things, and they don't understand spiritual things. So when the gospel is presented, they don't understand it. And when the spirit moves, they can't understand it. And when truth is revealed, spiritual truth especially, they can't see it. It all sounds foolish because they don't have the spirit to reveal it to them. And verse 15 is such a truthful and wise verse, and I want to really draw your attention to it, but for someone who is spiritual, they can evaluate all things. They can understand everything, both the physical and the spiritual, but for someone who is not spiritual, they can only understand worldly things and have no understanding of the spiritual. So verse 15 even says that those who are spiritual cannot be evaluated by others, Now, that is something really intriguing to pay attention to, because the world will try to judge and weigh out how insignificant and foolish people may be, especially spiritual people, especially religious people, and especially Christians more than anyone else. And they try to lay that on Christianity, but... The reason why the world cannot evaluate a spiritual person is because of the quote that Paul uses from Isaiah 40 verse 13 that says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? That is referring to the fact that we as believers in Jesus Christ who are now spiritual and that we've received the Holy Spirit, have been taught by the Holy Spirit, and we've had things revealed to us by the Holy Spirit because we belong to God, and we are under His protection and His patronage. So, we belong to Him, and the spiritual trumps the physical every time. So, while worldly people may be very intelligent and they may can evaluate many things from a physical, worldly standpoint, and they may know far more than we do in a worldly manner, the truth is is that if we are spiritual, if we've had the Holy Spirit reveal spiritual truth to us then we can evaluate worldly things and spiritual things. And there are many things that people in the world do, many intelligent worldly people do that are foolish. And they're foolish according to God's word, foolish according to God's laws. And we know that in the long term, it brings about some really bad consequences for their life, not only for them, but even for their children in the future. And so that's really important to contemplate and remember as we serve God, that, if we have the spirit and we have spiritual truths revealed to us, that we can evaluate the world and the spiritual, but a worldly person cannot evaluate spiritual things, they cannot understand them, and the only way that you can understand these things is if we have the mind of Jesus Christ, not if you have the mind of the wise Corinthians, not if you have the mind of the extremely intelligent and I'm just going to use Albert Einstein or Nikola Tesla or Isaac Newton, Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, like some of the most brilliant people that we might know of who lived and and who are still living. But the only way to get to God is to have the mind of Christ. The only way to understand God is to have the mind of Christ. And that means (coughs) that we have to receive the gospel through faith. We have to seek out the Holy Spirit. We have to to cry out for the Holy Spirit and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to change us and speak to us in order to receive the mind of Christ. So I just want to ask you today, how are you doing on that? I mean, it's much easier said than done. Um, I can promise you that your spiritual life is a—it's an abysmal failure if you don't have the Holy Spirit moving in you and teaching you the ways of God. I mean, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you today, Chances are you're frustrated in your relationship with God. You don't feel like your life has changed. You don't feel like you're you're living or thriving spiritually. God's word doesn't mean anything to you. You don't have a desire to pray or spend time with him. Man, the lack of the Holy Spirit really creates a huge problem for anyone that claims to be a Christian. Because it makes it almost, well, it's basically impossible to truly live as a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit helping us and revealing things to us in due time. So how are you doing in that? Um, If you're listening to this and know that you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, it might be a good time for you to start crying out to God and to ask Him to send the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can have the mind of Christ and not have the mind of the world. And, And that's a... It's a really important thing that we all should be crying out for daily, even for someone who feel like, oh, I feel like I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, when you wake up tomorrow, you should cry out to God and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit even more than you were today. It's something that we should all desire, that we should all cry out for, because it is the only way that we can truly live and be pleasing to God and know God's plans, know God's spiritual truths and live it out to be pleasing to the Lord. All right. Well, we're done. Let me pray for you, and I'll let you go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for this time that we have together. God, I pray that you be with everyone listening in. God, that you be with them in their hearts and lives, and their relationships, and their families, and in all things. Lord, the, the physical, the worldly, but Lord, especially the spiritual. Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be sent on our lives. God, that you would revive us in a mighty and amazing way that we would repent of sins, that we would turn to you, that we would allow you to work and move and guide us in our life so that we can better serve you, better understand you, and Lord, live in a way that is truly pleasing. Jesus, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you on campus this weekend. Have a great week.